Welcome into NBA Sound System. Gil McGregor here with Scott Rafferty. Scott, what's new with you, man? Not too much, man. It feels like no matter what time of the NBA calendar, there's always there's always drama. There's always something going on, which is uh, the exciting part about this job. So I, I can't complain overall. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. There's a lot of drama, like you said. Exciting drama. Not necessarily negative drama. Just drama to keep the conversation going. There's a lot going on in the league, and there was a busy weekend in the league. It started with us learning the All-Star starters on Thursday, and then there was a, a weekend full of action. But I'll start with the All-Star our starters western conference captain lebron james uh, again joined by stephen curry luka Doncic, nikola Jokic, and zion williamson in the eastern conference captain yan santetokounmpo uh joined by kyrie irving donovan mitchell kevin durant and jason tatum i asked you last week were you expecting any surprises now i'll ask you again are you surprised by any of the choices i'm a little bit surprised uh- Zion was a really tough call. There's no denying he's played at an all-star starter level. I mean, he was entering kind of like the MVP conversation with the mm-hmm. way he's played. He's just missed a lot of time with injury, and I think it's it's pretty crowded in both conferences. So that, that was a little surprise to me. Not necessarily that he was an all-star, but that he was an all-star starter. In the Eastern Conference, Kyrie Irving being a starter, on one hand, I'm not surprised because he is so popular with, we know the players and also mm-hmm. the fans. Um, I I personally probably would have had someone else in that spot. And I also just don't know if there's a guarantee that he would have made my all-star team. Just, again, given how competitive it is, he is, that's no knock on him either because he's been fantastic this season. Uh, but those were the two that kind of really stood out for me. Other than that, I, I wasn't really that surprised, to be honest. What about you? Same, really, pretty much. Um, the Zion one, I think, the, the, to, to add to what you were saying, he's played in 29 games at, at the time of recording. He's still out with the hamstring injury. He's looked great in those 29 games, but it kind of becomes a slippery slope because there are other guys who are in that same fringe all-star uh, consideration who have played around the same amount of games, and now that will make uh, some interesting discussions. And we'll get into that uh, as we talk about the all-star reserves. Before we do that, some of these guys that were in the starting lineup we're in the center of the biggest news stories over the weekend. So we got to start at TD Garden on Saturday night. Uh, LeBron James was incredulous. I think that's the word. Maybe I don't know. He it, like the 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 theatrics after uh, the no call at the end of regulation in the Lakers Celtics game, which wrapped NBA Rivals Week, which I'm more on board with now. Um, Lakers had a chance to. Win the game, LeBron very much hit on the arm by Jason Tatum. You could hear it on the broadcast. No call. Uh, a lot of madness and mayhem ensued. What were your thoughts about that uh, and what transpired? I mean, he got fouled. <laughs> is there yeah. any other way? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's unfortunate. It, it is really mm-hmm. unfortunate for him. Um, I, I thought it was a very clear foul, like you said. You could tell. I, I, I don't remember the last time that I've seen LeBron that animated, really, like, even the J.R. Smith mistake at the end of that fu- game, one of the finals, like it was kind right. of like in that direction, but it felt like he took it another step forward. And then Patrick Beverly going and get the camera to show the referee. I, I think that kind of says it all. So look, it, it, it is, it's been a bit of a tough stretch. They've had a bit of a rough whistle lately at the end of games. I know a lot of people like to pile on them where it's like, oh, you could make the case for any team if they won four games that they would be six seed high or whatever the case may be. The difference is like a lot of these missed calls that they've had have come like literally in the closing seven seconds of a one possession game. So for this to happen kind of like the fourth time in what is it, two weeks? I know you wrote about it over at the Sporting News. It it is a little rough for them. 
Right. That was something that LeBron mentioned was, and I guess it kind of makes his reaction make sense. He said it was a buildup of things. There was the uh, end of the Mavericks game. There were two controversial calls slash no calls. The Sixers game, which was a few days later. Uh, then there, they had the game against the Kings, which I didn't even realize was a thing. It looked like Kendrick Nunn, who was no longer with the team, uh, kind of got some contact, which could have been a four point play to tie the game. Who knows what would have happened in that? instance the Kings could have won in overtime but like you said this is four games within like a two two and a half week span this team is 23 and 27 it's a big difference between to be 23 and 27 and 27 and 23 or even 26 and 24 because like you said now in the Western Conference that's jumbled up you're not 13th anymore you're fifth or sixth and really kind of creating momentum uh for the second half of the season after the all-star break so i understand uh their 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 reaction and, and them being upset uh, with everything and i understand also that that officiating is difficult i understand that they have a really hard job um they're like the 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 three people or four people in, in the arena that everybody's going against uh home fans and visiting fans are all going against the officials so you're not going to get it right always but i did find it very interesting that um they immediately addressed it in the pool report. They immediately addressed it before the last two minute report came out. They addressed it in the last two minute report. And then the refs association said they're going to have some sleepless nights uh, after missing that call. So uh, I, I, maybe the fallout from this um, will, will make a, a more attentive eye on the way that the Lakers are officiated and, and, and close games around the league. To your point, it is really hard being a referee. Like it, it, yeah. it's it's so easy for people to pile on them, but the amount of calls that they have to make, the split second, there are times when it's like they do a video review, and even when they're doing that review, I'm like, I, I don't know what the call is here. So for them to have to make that, um, you know, split second decision, it is really hard. And saying that, it seemed like a pretty obvious call. Like he he was slapped by Jason Tatum. You said it. You could hear it on the broadcast um, that that should have been a foul, but. LeBron's also just a really hard player to officiate, I think, because mm -hmm. he is so strong, plays for so right. much power. I know people like to get on on the fact that he does flop. He doesn't flop nearly as much as other players in the league. Like, he plays super physical. And he's probably one of those players, almost like Shaq back in the day, where it's like, you could probably call twice the amount of fouls on him or against him than that than actually happens. Um, he's just a really hard player to, to officiate. But it's situations like that where I, I personally just feel like it's, you know, very clear he got fouled, so... Yeah, yeah. I think to, to 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 round that out, I think part of the flopping maybe sometimes is to, to embellish contact that doesn't really affect him, but it's actual contact. So we kind of have to show like, hey, like I got pushed here. I think back to a different call from TD Garden when uh, it was game seven in 2018. I always reference this play, but I think it was Markeith Morris on a fast break, like flagrantly fouled LeBron in that game seven. He still somehow finished through a flagrant foul from from Mark, sorry, Marcus Morris uh, on the fast break. Those guys look alike. I get them confused. Um, but, but a foul from Marcus Morris, flagrant foul, and he still finished through contact and gets the and one. Like that kind of speaks to how strong LeBron is. Like a flagrant foul from Marcus Morris would probably not most guys to the deck, but LeBron James finished through it. So I guess that kind of maybe uh, justifies the flopping or explains the flopping. Maybe flopping will never yeah. be justified, but it's a part of the game. Um, LeBron and Jason Tatum, all-star starters going head-to-head. -head. Earlier in the day on that Saturday, there was one guy who was an all-star starter in Nikola Jokic going against a guy who did not hear his name called as an all-star starter, Joel Embiid. And I think a lot of us expected him to make a statement and I think that you could say he made a statement, 47 points, 18 boards and a win over the Nuggets, uh, a close win over the Nuggets. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll make this a two part question. First, um, it was really hard 
to, to you know, the, we mentioned there's four players for three spots. I was a little surprised, and, and I know you mentioned your love for certain players, and Jokic being one of them. Giannis is another one. But I, I saw a lot of people saying that Embiid maybe should have gotten the all-star starting nod over Giannis. So what do you think of the statement that he made, and what do you think about maybe Embiid over Giannis as a starter? Incredible game from from Embiid, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. It, it is funny that this matchup was during rivalry, rivalry week. Wow, can't mm-hmm. say that. Um, it's, it's, it's a mouthful. It is. But uh, it, it is funny because it feels like one of these things that's like, it's almost like a fan-generated rivalry. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the Jokic and Embiid MVP back and forth. Whereas like the players themselves seem to have so much respect for each other. Like even after the game, they, Embiid was asked about it and he was basically just like, no, I, I love Jokic. Like they, they just yeah. have so much respect. But you can tell Embiid wanted this one. Like he was going yeah. at Jokic pretty much the entire game. He took over down the stretch. 47 and 18, just a monster performance from him. Also defensively. I mean, he played a large role in Jokic still put up, what is it, 24, 9 and 8, because that's just mm-hmm. the player he is. Um, right. But he had seven turnovers, which was uncharacteristic. I thought Embiid had some really good moments in the second half against him defensively, especially the the switch that Doc Rivers did in putting PJ Tucker on Jokic and letting Embiid guard Aaron Gordon and be more of a Roma and kind of mm-hmm. impact more shots at the rim with his length and everything. I, I just think it was an awesome two-way game from Embiid. I also just the, the fascinating thing to me is that like even with that adjustment, like PJ Tucker clearly, I think, was able to fluster Jokic, right? Like Jokic didn't look mm-hmm. very comfortable in the second half. He made some like you don't see Jokic make like bad decisions. And mm-hmm. there were a couple of times like he threw a couple of like bad passes that you just don't see from him. He had a couple of bad turnovers. Um mm-hmm. so they really were able to get under his skin and everything. I would be fascinated to see them do that again, though, because I just think Jokic is such a smart player that he would be able to figure some stuff out. Like, I, I think he's going to watch the tape. There's going to be a couple turnovers where he's like, oh, I should have just gone up for the floater. Like, that's that's a money shot for him. You know what I mean? Like, it did seem like he was overthinking it a little bit sometimes. Um, so I, long, long story short, I'm very excited to see them play against each other. So that, I think that's a long-winded way of answering your first question. The second one, I, I kind of think I probably would have gone and beat Giannis and KD, honestly, okay. um, it's it's an impossible decision. Like all four mm-hmm. of those guys should be starters in the All Star game, but because of positions, this is just the hand right. that we've been dealt. I, I just I know Giannis is kind of having like a down shooting season by his standards. He's still averaging what like thirty and ten, putting up numbers on a nightly basis that we just don't see from anyone else, and he might be the best defender in the league. So I, I get the arguments for him kind of getting the squeeze out of those four, but I, I think I'd have a hard, a hard time doing that. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny because majority of people were kind of framing it as if it was either Tatum or Embiid. But in, in reality, you could kind of maybe poke some holes into it and, and make the argument uh, of of who it is for that spot. And, and and as it is right now, Kevin Durant is injured. We don't know if he'll be able to play. So maybe Embiid gets to start anyway uh, with KD not playing. And, and to mention Giannis, I think he might have heard people uh, talking about him not deserving to start because a day after <laughs> Embiid's performance, Giannis had... 50 and 13 in a blowout win over the Pelicans. I do think Embiid's performance was a little bit more impressive because it was against the Nuggets and a close win. But Giannis still, I think, uh, showed that he heard everybody and what they had to say. Now, we know Embiid's going to hear his name as a reserve uh, for the All-Star game, which will be announced later this week. So ahead of that, I guess we start there. Who are you? Assuming that we're both in agreement on, on, on uh, Embiid being uh, a we're reserve. 
and, and okay, okay, just making yeah. sure. Um, that'd be that we could argue for that for the rest of the of the episode if that was the case. But uh, after that, the Eastern Conference is pretty difficult. So I think we should start with the East. Who are the other six guys that you have as a reserve uh, in the All Star game? And as a reminder for those of you listening, two guards, three front court members, two wild cards. So Scott, where did you go with the the Eastern Conference reserves? So. The two guard spots, I think, were, were pretty easy decisions for me. I had Jalen Brown, who I actually had a starter in the two times that I kind of put the starters together over on Sporting News. I just think, you know, what he's been able to do as a scorer, he's been the second best player on the best team in the league. He's a one-time All-Star. He's just having the best mm-hmm. season of his career. Like, Jalen Brown is just awesome on both right. ends of the court. That was a pretty easy decision for me. I also think Tyrese Halliburton, another guy who had a very strong case to start in the All-Star game, the paces, I think everyone thought they would just be in the Victor Webanyama sweepstakes this season. They haven't been as good lately. They're in a bit of a rough patch, but that coincides with Tyrese Halliburton being out with an injury, and he's just been fantastic. We've said it, I think I've said it a million times on this podcast. He's basically putting up numbers like a young Chris Paul, which I know is music to your ears. Um, what he's able to do kind of like as the table setter for that paces team. He was a pretty easy decision for me. So I, I have those two guys, Joel Embiid, and this is where it gets interesting. Um, mm-hmm. My other two front court spots, I have Bam Adebayo and Pascal Siakam. And then as my wild cards, I have James Harden, who I feel like I don't, I, I feel like he's not getting enough attention for the season he's having and how well he's been playing, especially next to Joel Embiid and kind of amplifying all of his strengths as a playmaker. And then my last wild card spot, which I may or may not have lost sleep over, was really between DeMar DeRozan and Jimmy Butler for me. DeMar DeRozan's tough because he was an all-NBA guy last year. He's putting up similar numbers. The Bulls haven't been as good, but he plays basically every game, logs a ton of minutes, super efficient. Jimmy Butler hasn't played as many minutes. He's missed more time with games. Ultimately, I find myself leaning towards Jimmy Butler because I do just think he's the better player. And in the games that he has played, he's just so good on both ends of the court. So for me, I give him the hair for that last final spot over DeRozan for me. Okay, so we were we were in agreement more than I, I maybe expected to, to be. Um, but Jimmy was one of the guys I had in consideration. But I went with Julius Randle instead of him. Okay. Uh, I think that the Knicks have, have been having uh, a good season. It's kind of reminiscent of their 2020-21 campaign. We had a conversation over at the Sporting News about whether it should be Julius Randle or Jalen Brunson to represent the Knicks in the All-Star game. Sounds like you don't think it should be either. Um, but just looking at Julius Randle's numbers, he's averaging, I think, a little over 24 points per game, t- over 10 boards and, and around four assists per game. Him, Jokic, and Giannis, the only three players in the league, uh, putting up those numbers. And the Knicks are have been above 500 for a while. They, they had that long win streak, and, and they've kind of just kind of been hovering around that. They look like they're going to be a playoff team. So um, I, it was hard for me to put Bam and Jimmy in there and have two players from a Heat team who have been kind of middling this year. There's been injury issues and stuff like that. Um, I felt like Pascal Siakam definitely deserves it with the numbers he's been putting up and things of that nature. Um, and and Jalen Brown, James Harden, Tyrese Halliburton, and obviously Joel Embiid felt like no-brainer. So um, I guess the Randall versus Jimmy Butler debate is not the one I was expecting to have, but here we are. It was tough. I mean, I, I have apologies too written underneath my table here. Julius Randle's one of them. I also have Jalen Brunson. I have Drew Holiday. I have Darius Garland. Trey mm-hmm. Young, too. I know he's kind of like right. an easy punching bag of like the Hawks haven't been as good as everyone expected to be this season. It, you know, it's, e- it's easy to kind of hate on this game, not playing off ball enough, all these kind of things. He's still awesome. He's still one of the best right. scorers and playmakers in the league. I think he absolutely deserves to kind of, kind of be in this conversation again. 
To me, though, if it was going to be one of the Knicks, I, I think, honestly, I, I don't know if the Knicks have been good enough to the point where it's just it almost like it hurts that they have two really strong candidates given mm. their position in the standings i think um because i actually had jalen brunson as the nick i probably would have had yeah. as an all-star if it had to be one of them just because i think the stability he's brought to that team look they've, they've long needed kind of a point guard like him what he's able to do in the clutch for that team he's very much the leader when the game gets close his shot making and ability to create shots for himself you know in the paint mid-range all of that I think I would have given him the edge. But again, like in saying that, like if I had Jalen Brunson in there or Julius Randle, it kind of would have felt wrong to me just because I, I, Jimmy Ball is so good, man. Like I yeah. know he's yeah. missed time. Yeah. I know he's missed yeah. games. And this will be more a factor when we talk the West guys. Like I do kind of lean towards rewarding guys who have played a ton of minutes and shown up and played a ton of games this season. So it does make it difficult here. But I, I just, every time I watch a Heat game and Jimmy Butler's there, it, he just stands out so much on both ends of the court that it's, it's just impossible for me to ignore. Yeah, yeah, he is he is that dude. He is that guy. And I think that that comes down to it. And again, we mentioned the the injury to Kevin Durant could move Joel Embiid into a starting lineup and it ultimately uh, might not be that big of an issue. You might get Jimmy and Julius Randle there or Jalen Brunson, one of those two Knicks guys. I think uh, the, the, the league is better when the Knicks have a solid team. And I think, Above average to solid is the best way to describe that uh, Knicks team that so far this season. Now, I think we've had similar close calls or, or difficult calls in the Western Conference. It was a little bit harder for me to to kind of discern who I wanted to put in there. But I'll, I'll give the floor back to you um, and let's hear these seven reserves that you have uh, in the Western Conference uh, All-Star Game in 2023. I'm going to start with four that I feel like we're going to have the same. Okay. John Morant. Shea Gilgis Alexander, Demontis Sabonis, and Larry Markinen. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That those those are those are those are okay. Well, okay. Here we go. Okay. Off to a good start. Off to a good start. I think Shea had a, a real case to be a starter in the Western Conference. Yeah. What he's been able to do, 30 nights on a nightly basis, really leading a young Thunder team that has talent but is still very much in the kind of this rebuilding phase. Like they've gone from a team that we think I, I think this year going into the season, I thought would be another another rough season for them. And then next year, um, when they get Chet Holmgren back, whoever they pick up in the draft, maybe then they'd be more competitive. They look like next year they could make some noise in the West. I mean, they're already making noise in the West. Like this could be, I don't know, knocking on the door of a top six seed next year if everything goes right. And that's a huge testament to him and kind of his development. Um, John Morant, incredible. I don't think we really need to spend much time talking about him. You and Kyle a couple weeks ago talked about how he's the best show in the NBA. Um, Just incredible. Leading a Grizzlies team to one of the best records in the West. Um, Sabonis, I think another guy who had a strong case to start. He's been incredible. Uh, what he's been able to do for the Kings offensively, his passing, his post up, um, his partnership with Darren Fox. Uh, he, he's just been great this season. Larry Markinen, I think he, he was a pretty easy decision for me. I don't think he screams like traditional all star. Like he's not, he's not the creator that other all stars this year is, right? Like he doesn't average many assists. He doesn't really create as much of his own offense as some of these other guys, but he's just been an incredible finisher. Um, a high-level score for them. And really, I mean, we all thought the Jazz were, were potentially going to be the worst team in the league this season. And the fact that they're hovering around 500, still in the play-in conversation, I, I think he, he's just he's kind of leading that charge for them. I think it also helps, like, the games in Utah. It would be nice to see, right. like, a representation for that team there. I don't think that's, like, the deciding factor here. Um, but I think, you know, that, that matters. But So, yeah, I, I think those were four pretty easy decisions for me. I don't know if you want to add anything onto that. 
Uh, I want to give you credit, which you don't even realize what you just did. You gave a, a big shout out to Laurie Mark and his nickname, the finisher, because he is a proud uh, finish player in the league. So, so that, but, but to your point, yeah, I think just looking at his season that we've talked about him being one of the favorites to win most improved player alongside Shea Gilders Alexander, they've made the leap. Um, We've talked about, you know, being most improved as a lottery pick or, or, or guys who have star potential, but there a lot needs to be said about realizing that potential, especially in the case of marketing and doing it uh, in a new setting. You know, it, he could yep. have easily had a, a year of adjustment for him to be averaging a shade under 25 points this late into the season. I don't think any of us would have predicted that. And I don't think any of us would have predicted him, you know, kind of making this of his career after what we've seen, uh, you know, the first few years. So those four guys, definitely guys that I think should be there. It's a bonus again, averaging seven assists per game, um, you know, which is it's just big time. Uh, and, yep. and the Kings being a team who are right now, you know, among the top three teams in the Western Conference, um, it's really hard to argue with, with those four guys. Yep. So another e- relatively easy decision for me. This is a wild card spot since we've done two guards and two front court players here. Mm. Damian Lillard. Quietly, I think, having arguably the best season of his career. He's averaging a career best as of this recording, 30.1 points per game. He's also averaging a career best true shooting percentage. Um, you know, I, I, I going into the season, I think it was easy to be concerned with Dame, just given all the mileage, the injury that he was coming off on. And there was a lot of pressure on for him to kind of get back to his all-star, all-NBA ways. He's done that. He's been absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate that the Blazers have been stumbling lately we'll see if they can you know pick that up depending on whether that's a move of the trade deadline or whatever it is but dame has just been fantastic this season and i feel like he he needs to be rewarded as an all-star so that was a pretty easy decision for me as one of those spots i'm right there with you so i'm ready for the last two go i want to see i want to see if we went seven for seven all right these last two is where it gets tricky the last forward spot i went with anthony davis the argument against him is is games played he's missed a ton of games i, I think he's right. played let me pull this up i think it's like 28 games he's played which, either 27 or 28 at the time of at the time of recording 27 or 28 yeah, 27 games played which is he's missed a lot of the season the thing for me is that i think working in his favor that the front court spot in the west just isn't as crowded and also the games that he has played i mean he's performed at almost an mvp and dpoi level I think offensively, he's having the best season of his career. Defensively, what he's able to do as a rim protector, and he's also just so versatile. I, I do. It's it's tough because of the games he missed, but I do think it, it would be weird to not have him on the All Star team, just given how well he's played. And the last one, and I'd be very curious if you have him here as well. I have Anthony Edwards. I do have Anthony. <laughs> okay. All I right. Do. Okay. So, I mean, I, there, there you go. That's a, the seven for seven. I was not expecting okay. uh, us to have here. Uh, but yeah, seven for seven, uh, with that Anthony Edwards is a guy. I think, um, we've seen so much and you've kind of seen guys talk about it. Austin Rivers was the first person I feel like to say it this year. Like, you know, this is his franchise. Um, you know, with all the mess and, and, and the crowded issues in the front court, you know, Towns out of the lineup right now, but the the complicated fit uh, with him and Rudy Gobert, Anthony Edwards is almost quietly just making that All Star leap again this year uh, into becoming that guy. But it was really difficult. AD was the one where where talking about that. Like I said, you know, we were talking about Zion having only played in twenty nine games. This guy has played in fewer games. Kawhi has also played in twenty seven games. Hasn't necessarily played at an All Star level, uh, but for maybe. 
12 or 15 of them. But, um, that's another guy who, who I, I, like, I thought about, but, um, it, it leads me to kind of talk about it more, which, which I, I guess since we agreed so much on this, the philosophy of, of, of who you pick to, to be your all-star reserve. Like, it, it's kind of weird that, you know, the Grizzlies and the Nuggets are at the top of the conference and we aren't even really thinking about them having a second all-star. Whereas the Lakers we talked about, um, earlier, just being a few games away from being, 26 and 24 whatever they're four games under 500 as we have this discussion and they get two guys in the all-star game um you know the kings who have been a good team it's, it was really hard i had apologies you know to De'Aaron fox um as a guy the nuggets as well um you know aaron gordon's the name that i that i mentioned but it, it kind of comes down to it i don't know what, what does that say and also it kind of speaks to the western conference being so jumbled i think five games separate third and 13th or something like that so how much do you way winning uh you know whether it's the team being good they deserve a certain amount of all-stars versus a team not being that good maybe they don't deserve to have an all-star because the team success isn't there it's really difficult I, I think i feel like my gut this year was harder than any other recent year just be given the amount of how jumbled it is and then also how many injuries they've been um anthony edwards for example i mean he's averaged 26.2 points 6.2 rebounds 5.1 assists and two steals since cat has been out and mm-hmm. the timberwolves of 17 and 14 during that span which i think any other year you'd probably be like that's that's not that impressive but all of a sudden they're fifth in the western conference standings granted we could record this we could have the same conversation in two or three days and they could be 11th that's just how tight things right. are um but again, like he's an example of a guy I think I, I kind of just felt myself leaning towards him to reward how available he's been. He's leading the league in total minutes played, and he's played in every single game. And I think just given the context of the league right now, it feels like guys are in and out of the lineup every single night. I do think at the level that he's performed, like that does kind of give him an edge. Because there's another guy we haven't talked about here, I don't think, who who should be an all-star really, and that's Devin Booker. Um, Devin Booker. One of the best scores in the league. I think we had him kind of borderline, if not top 10 player in the league when we last did our player rankings. He was also fantastic when he did play this season. He's had 40, 50-point games whenever he's kind of taken the floor, it feels like. Mm -hmm. It's just, he's, again, he's missed a bunch of time. And I know, I think he's actually played in, like, two more games than Anthony Davis, which is 29 games right now. Same same amount as Zion. I'm kind of, like, you could totally make the case that Devin Booker deserves to be here. But I think for me, like, just because, again, that front court spot in the West wasn't as tight necessarily... I felt better about giving that to Anthony Davis. Um, Kawhi is another guy. I think in another, if if the All Star was a month later, like might have a really strong case to be an All Star. He's been really, really good lately. I don't know if we've mentioned Paul George. I think that's actually the right, guy yeah. I had the hardest time with because looking at the standings again, like the Clippers are in fourth place, um, and for them to not have a single All Star on a team built around two stars in Kawhi and Paul George, Paul George has played. He's missed some time, but he's played a good amount of games. Really good two-way player, having a great season. So it's just hard, man. Like Aaron Gordon, I think. I know he's been getting some love lately as like the second nugget if they're going to get someone. Jaron Jackson Jr. might be the front runner. I, I mean, we've talked about this before. I think we both had him as the front runner for, uh, for defensive player of the year halfway through the season. What he's been able to do to that Grizzlies team on that end of the court. Like I realize guys, defensive first guys, tend not to get as much of an all-star shine as they probably should. Um you won't be surprised to hear this name come out of my mouth. Brooke Lopez is another guy who's like a fringe all-star of the season, just how good he's been defensively. Those guys tend not to get rewarded. So there's absolutely a case to be made that some of these teams deserve a second all-star. I just, again, I, I think with how jumbled it is, I did find myself, one, leaning towards availability when it mattered the most, 
Um, but two also leaning towards like Jimmy Butler. Like I, I just think he's the better player ultimately. Um, so kind of go in my gut there. Yeah, I, I, like that. That whole that whole point really just shows how strange of a season that it's been, right? Like we've talked about this, and, and the guys that we named, like when All Star is here, the Lakers, Trailblazers, Thunder, Jazz, Pelicans, even Mavericks and Warriors could all have All Stars, and Timberwolves could all have All Stars, and they all could be under five hundred. Like yep. like there, it's very realistic that there there's going to be some of those teams will be under five hundred when the All Star game comes, but I, I think it doesn't necessarily speak to the fact on whether or not those guys specifically are stars or not because it doesn't necessarily tell the entire story and and we we had this discussion um you know amongst our coworkers the other other day just thinking back to like when the hawks had you know four all-stars because of how good they were and, you know when the pistons had four all-stars because of how good they were as a team but i think nowadays it, it kind of speaks to what we've talked about a lot just how much individual talent there is in the league factor in situational circumstances and things of that nature um it's really difficult it's really difficult to to kind of just narrow down um you know to to 12 guys i know there's been discussions in the in the past about maybe expanding it a little bit uh to maybe include 13 to 15 guys i don't know where you stand on that i don't know if that's the the solution to it or is it just stand out be available and and play at an all-star level it is tricky i i do i like the argument because nba teams have 15 every single night right so right. i, I yeah. get that argument of just kind of mirroring what teams normally have but it is difficult because even this season i do think that would help this season because there are so many guys eligible right like a jalen brunson julius randall drew drew holiday devin booker like all these guys might be all stars if there's 15 but then suddenly it gets a little murky when like two or three of those guys get injured and then who's replacing them and i find like maybe not as much this year but any other year you might find a guy who's just like doesn't necessarily deserve to be an all-star, but he's an all-star because the rosters are so deep. So it is a little tricky. It is a little bit of a slippery slope, but I, I totally get the argument for expanding it to, to 15. I also will say, by the way, with all-star, it's we put a lot of thought into it. It matters, right? Like how many all-star right. selections a player gets. But really, it's who have been the best players through 50 games in a season, which is a big sample size. But I will say, like I, I think all-NBA matters more in terms of like, who were the 15 best players that season in the NBA? Like, I right. think that is a more notable recognition than being an all-star. And that's not to downplay it either, right? Like, the fact that Larry Markinen is an all-star this season or probably will be an all-star is a, is a tremendous accomplishment. But if he, let's see if he can get to that all-NBA level. Like, let's see what the Jazz look, look like after game 82. Let's see what his season looks like after at game 82. So I, I just think there's a very big difference between being an all-star and an all-NBA player. Um because again, like a guy like Paul George could very well be an All NBA player at the end of the season. Um, I think we even saw that with was it Jimmy Butler last year? Was he All NBA even though he wasn't an All Star? Um, Siakam's another Siakam, case. Siakam. Like he, Siakam, yeah, he yeah. he was he was an All Star last season, but he was All NBA. So this stuff happens. But um, it's 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 an entertaining game. It's it's a good recognition, everything like that. But I think I can understand people losing their minds more of like All NBA selections than All All Star really. That makes that makes a lot of sense. You know, Siakam's a perfect example. Last year, uh, and last year was much different than this year. But thinking back to the fact that he missed the first, you know, ten, twelve games of the yep. season because he was recovering from off season surgery, and he just didn't have a big enough uh, body of work to to earn or get the the All Star uh, selection, even though he ultimately had a, an All NBA level uh, body of work. Which, if you ask the players, is probably more important too because they have incentives and their contracts tied yep. to that. Though they do uh, get a nice little bonus for winning the All Star game and participating in the All Star game, so it'll definitely be fun to watch. The All Star reserves will be announced 
on Thursday. Uh, so we will learn who gets the nod. And I mentioned, we mentioned before, because injury is, is such a prevalent part of the discussion, any injury replacement will be announced by Adam Silver. Last year, I think we had two. Was it LaMelo and DeJounte Murray were both injury replacements, right? That sounds right off the top of my head. Sounds right. So, so you never know. You might see a first time all star, uh, get there. I'm sure there will be, uh, some snubs as there are every year, but it's just because uh, it's a tough squeeze with the amount of talent that is in the NBA. So next week we will be back to talk a little bit about the snubs, but we are uh, not that far away from the trade deadline. So we'll have much more ahead of the deadline and getting you ready for all star, which is right after that on Sunday, February 19th. So. Keep it locked in with NBA Sound System. Make sure to subscribe and rate wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back every single week keeping you up to date with everything that is going on in the NBA. For Scott Rafferty, I am Gil McGregor reminding you to tune in every week to NBA Sound System. And we will catch you this time next week.